Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and Twitch, and sometimes I even upload the good bits. This is Previously Live. Hello? Hey bud, I'm still muted. Nope, you're not anymore. Oh, can you can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Oh, hell yeah. What's up, bud? Hey, I actually have never called a person and had them pre-muted. Nice. It's like the universe is trying to keep me from engaging friendly with a cop. How you doing? Well, and, well, and it could be because I'm uh, in chud. So, Wait, so are maybe, you? Maybe I'm odd. Oh, yeah. But you're so <laughs> yeah, friendly in chat. I try to be. <laughs> it's uh uh, but you know, uh, M Mother Goose and I talked about some of my chud takes and, uh, you know, it, it didn't work out so great, but you yeah, know, the, it, it's the discord mods usurping authority yet again. I'm terribly sorry about that. No, 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 no. I, I was actually thinking this, uh, long before we talked. Um, I think you and I probably have a lot of things that we can talk about productively. Uh, but I also do think that there's, um, th there's sometimes where you notice uh, logical fallacies or bad takes or whatever, and you just smell blood in the water and you go in hard. Uh, I, I think that that's entirely possible with, uh, within our interactions. I, I do want to keep it always good faith, always uh, trying to figure out the best thing, always looking for points of uh, compromise. Uh, but so you're I not looking, you're not possible. looking to destroy me intellectually. No, <laughs> no, actually, Actually, I would say uh, even for all the times that I've seen you kind of like go in hard on people or whatever, it, it's not the logic that that's the the issue at all. It, it's almost like um, it's almost just like the optics. You know what I'm saying? It, it's not. I, I almost have no objections on your logic. The optics are often harder to control than the logic. Some arguments are pretty much factually settled and have been for an incredibly long time. It's uh, uh, it's it's usually a little bit more difficult to parse out how to deliver that information because you happen to share uh, a name with a famous YouTuber. Would you like to identify yourself for the benefit of the chat? Sure. Um, yeah, actually, um, I'm I'm a very small YouTuber. Probably only started in the past like 45 to 60 days. Really, I wanted to do this for nearly a decade. Uh, and the name is almost like entirely intentional as well. I get misrepresented as contrapoints all the time, which I just see as, uh, you know, good because now I'm just, uh, you know, clout chasing. Uh, but, uh, but I do try to have my own takes and my own perspective. And, uh, you know, I, I want to have good conversations with smart people. And uh, my, my background is um, I... I I grew up multiple places. I lived in Belgium when I was eight years old. I was raised in the French school system. Uh, got my ass kicked in French until I was 12. Uh, moved to Texas, moved back to Florida, which is kind of my home state. Uh, joined the military, went to Japan, went to Iraq, uh, went to California, uh, came home, went to school, and then uh, became a cop uh, for four years. And then I, I just stopped being a cop uh, six months ago, and now I'm a private sector wagey. Nice. How's the uh, wagey cagey holding up for you? It's actually pretty good. Um, I'm, you know, I have weekends off. I'm working 40 hour weeks instead of 60 hour weeks. Uh, there's less chances of me fighting drug addicts or getting shot. Uh, so the, the wage cage, uh, I know I can understand how it would suck for people who just went to college and then immediately go sit at a desk and tear, stare at a screen 60 hours a week. Uh, but for me, it's actually a, a refreshing change of pace. Yeah, understandable. You know, having your uh, having your perspective sort of realigned by prior experience is pretty important for being able to enjoy a current one. Um, let's get, I guess, 
immediately to it. So you were a cop and you've, at least when speaking with me, um, spoken on cop issues. Um, what was your opinion, broadly speaking, of the UPS shooting that took place um, two weeks ago? Yeah, that's actually um, that, you know, we, we talk about uh, militarization of police and I, I think that's a pretty important conversation, but I think I, I almost disagree in a different way where I think that cops need to be trained better tactically. I, I know there's an argument to be made that that gets them into this warrior mentality. Uh, with the more warrior mentality, they're going to be looking for opponents to fight. Uh, but there, there was a way to run that situation from a tactical perspective that would have put less lives in danger, um, would have had less impact on the general public, and then also, um, you know, going along with the concept of good tactics um, is also the concept of de-escalation. It's like, hey, we got them pinned. They're pinned in traffic. Can we get some cop vehicles in front of traffic in order to hold them in? Uh, maybe we don't need to go straight for a gunfight. The, the police contention is obviously that they took fire, which is why they returned fire. Uh, but, you know, who really knows who pulled what trigger when adrenaline's going a thousand miles an hour? Also, I don't know if that's um, if that's an entirely permissible excuse to start open firing when behind the uh, truck you're firing at civilian vehicles, you know? Um, Le legally, it is. Well, but, legally, uh, sure, but, you is know. Is it a good idea? No, probably yeah. not. Well, well, and actually, I do have a, an expansion on that as well. Um, mm -hmm. they, there's kind of like this uh, Monday morning quarterbacking or uh, fear uh, by police that if they don't follow policy directly, um, they're going to uh, incur the wrath of their department. But then there's also this other thing where it's like if you risk your life and all's well that ends well, then you don't get that punished. Um, so I, I basically I saw them chasing the UPS vehicle for like 10 minutes beforehand. There was every opportunity to do a pit maneuver, which is basically where you hit their rear uh, wheel well in order to try to spin them out. There was every opportunity to pull in front of the vehicle and stop in front of them. But then, of course, you're running the risk of you yourself getting shot. Um, one of the reasons why I was kind of like, uh, you know, reen internally as I was listening to your stream mm -hmm. is because uh, most cops have uh, soft armor. They don't wear hard plates. So any rifle round can basically go through any cop's body armor unless they're on a SWAT team. Um, and then also most cops vehicles do not have armor um, in their doors. Uh, some police departments have opted to put armor in the doors. Uh, but besides that, it's like a, it's a weight economy and fuel issue. So most cop vehicles, you shoot them with a bullet, it's going to go straight through. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't I mean, I obviously am not familiar with the particulars of police tactics or the um, specific armaments that they're provided. My broader issue is on behavior and mannerisms, because there are a lot of most people agree the UPS cop shooting thing went pretty poorly. Uh, obviously, I doubt the department is happy with the attention that they're getting from all of this. So when you talk about ways that this could have been addressed, there are a bunch of like ways you can step back. Like tactically, they could have approached this a lot better. Some people have said, for example, they should have never been there in traffic, that the truck was tagged, that there was a helicopter on the scene, and that given the fact that the gunmen, well, they had guns, it was unlikely that they were going to be able to peacefully resolve a dispute through like 18 cop cars filing in, they probably should have sent like a negotiator or someone else after they had been freed sort of from uh, proximity with civilians. I've heard some people say that. Um, mm -hmm. You um, do, do you think that would have been a viable solution then? Obviously, there are risks. The, the, the gunmen could just 
shoot the hostage at a certain point. They're not expected to be rational actors. But I think that if a, a broader, you know, risk assessment would find that for the most part, hostage negotiations tend to end pretty well, I think. I think it's like 85 to 90% of them end without bloodshed. So... Yeah, and I mean, like, there's an argument to be made that if they had just let them get away and, and tracked with a helicopter, chances are they would have pulled into, like, an industrial complex, ditched the car, and ran away on foot, leaving the UPS driver either alive or dead, at which point you don't have all this collateral damage. Um, but you have to you have to conceptualize this uh, from, from the human level as well, and also kind of from, like, a, a holistic perspective. Uh, the way that cops act is similar to the way white blood cells act in the human body, basically meaning that when they see a threat or a, a pathogen or whatever, they all swarm the area. Um, I think even in the human body, somebody like a biologist could correct me, uh, but you know that there is collateral damage to white blood uh, white blood cells swarming an area and attacking. Um, I don't know if they is attack that healthy cells. Good? But... No, it's not good. It's uh, but it's kind of like. Uh... I don't even want to say a logical response. It's almost like a natural response. Um, and then j just talking about how how to manage things, you, you kind of got to see it like, uh, you know, a dog chasing a car, you know. He's not thinking about what he's going to do when he actually catches it. That's the way that a lot of uh, police respond to uh, specific incidents, especially when it involves violence, because violence is kind of, it, it's a rare thing. Uh, and I don't mean rare like it never happens. I just mean out of the job of being a police officer, it's not your day to day. Now, sure, you deal with like batteries, you deal with burglaries, you deal yeah, with robberies, for the most part. Like firing a gun is a pretty rare event in most officers, you know, day to day. I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, like point, which is strange too, because we also have to talk about different departments, big city versus small city, counties versus all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I have friends who work big cities who they're basically telling me that every single night they're pointing their guns at somebody in order to, in effect, an arrest. Um, I, I think, whereas with me, you know, that that's happened. But I would say that happened probably dozen, maybe two dozen times in my career where I, I really thought that I was actually going to uh, potentially shoot someone. Um, so so it's really a, a question of, like, intensity. And then, and then also um, with bigger departments, they when you're sticking your gun in somebody's face every single night, I think that increases your opportunities for lapses in judgment uh, just through frequency of incident. Yeah, of course. I mean, the more opportunities you have to maybe commit violence or engage in violent encounters, the more likely it is something's going to go wrong. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, I guess you earlier said that you think that police could probably benefit from more tactical training. Um, I would argue that in some cases like this, there is a certain gung-ho mentality um, or, or an enthusiasm for the opportunity to demonstrate those skills that sometimes leads to incidences like this. Do you think that's a valid criticism? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, but the, the interesting thing that I found through my experience is I think there's this whole perspective that um, Iraq war and Afghanistan war veterans are coming home and they got a chip on their shoulder because they're used to you know, shooting jihadists overseas. Uh, so, so they come home and they treat, you know, the the home territory like a war zone. Um, my experience was actually the opposite, where basically the the civilian cops, basically people who had never uh, served in the military before, were they, way worse. Yeah, soldiers are taught way better rules of engagement than cops are. Well, in in I would say that it's also a question of you know exposure. So, so cops talk about uh, you know use of force and and violence all the time. But, you know, uh, even me, just as a Marine, basically an administrator, somebody who, who did not do uh, intense things while I was in the Marine Corps, even though I deployed. And there, there were some intense situations, but not a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I spent weeks and weeks and weeks and months getting, you know, punched in the head, thrown on the ground, uh, arm bar takedown, uh, you know, kicked, shoved, all that kind of stuff. And I did that to, uh, you know, my fellow teammates. Um, same thing with, you know, shooting. Like I, I, I've gone into tactical scenarios as an individual. I've gone into tactical scenarios in a group. Um, when I'm working with veterans or when I was working with veterans, I always found that so much more comfortable because everybody knew what everybody was doing. Whereas when I was working with civilian cops, A, I saw them get overexcited, and B, I saw that their awareness of their firearms and what was going on with the firearms was kind of shitty and basically as much a threat to me as it was to the general public or the bad guy we were chasing. I mean, the average cop is, let's be frank, a low IQ high school bully, former wannabe football, uh, football pro. Who, um, who, who can't make it with any intellectual <laughs> skills. Now, I think this is a fairly valid stereotype for a lot of departments. Um, the, there, are, can, there have been can, literally can people who have been booted from departments for being too intelligent. I mean, and the fraternal mentality in these groups is, is, is bordering on like sophomoric. Um, I think there's a good reason why a lot of opi- people have worse opinions of cops um, in the U.S. than they do in other places. I have worse opinions of cops than I do of soldiers by far. Um, I, I mean, surely you've observed some of these tendencies in your time. Sure, but um, I also think it's a it's a question of sample, and I, I hate to be like so uh, so nuanced. Like no, we're not fe- getting no, spicy feel free. Enough. Pick not- <laughs> the nets. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we're we're <laughs> I'm looking for something to fight you on. It's not working because I'm trying to be nuanced. <laughs> but the. Uh, the uh no i mean okay so do you have those people the former football players yeah sure um and and do those people or at least some of those people tend to be the the aggro people sure uh do the people who were you know bullied in high school and they have a complex about them having a badge now are they are they the most likely people to flex nuts and kind of uh, talk shit to grandma because she was 10 miles over the speed limit yeah absolutely i I don't think anybody's going to argue with that but i would say that the the diversity within departments is actually probably at least within uh florida which is a cosmopolitan uh you know place uh lots of different people live here lots of different kinds of people live here um you know we the you know diversity is our strength you know what i'm saying like i I worked with female cops i worked with gay cops i worked with straight cops i worked with black cops i worked with uh caribbean black cops i worked with uh, you know puerto rican cops mexican cops like there's so many different kinds of people and they all bring different experiences to the job um you're not just speaking anecdotally i've actually seen research in this subject not only is general department diversity lead to increased effectiveness of police departments but neighborhoods are generally better policed by um by police officers who are representative of the demographics in that neighborhood although what's actually funny about that is uh, i have a gentleman who i worked with uh who uh was born and raised in the neighborhood in which i worked and uh, you would see, uh, you know, me, the white mayo bread cop, uh, you know, on the exterior, uh, you know, basically having a cokehead talking shit to me. And I'm like, yes, sir. No, sir. Uh, you know, that's not what we're doing today, sir. Can I explain it to you, sir? And then this guy from the neighborhood would be like, he'd be like taking off his badge and taking off his gun belt so he could fist fight the guy. <laughs> like, but but that's like in his community, that's what's respected. It's like, um, you know, you, you talk a certain level of shit, you disrespect a certain person a certain way, um, then it doesn't matter what your title is, it doesn't matter what your uh, position of power is. If you're willing to be disrespected as a person that way, um, then you're, you're kind of uh, showing weakness. Now, it, it, never, it never came to pass that he was disciplined because basically when he was taken off his badge or taken off his belt, whoever was talking shit 
uh, ended up stopping because they basically knew who he was and what his family was like. Uh, and then with me, um, my approach was the correct approach for who I was. Because if I'm talking shit, if you if you get a body camera of a white cop talking shit, taking off his badge and his gun belt so he can fist fight a guy in the middle of the street, that might be some like old western shit that people would enjoy on a reptilian level. But it's not exactly what you want out of your play. To, to be fair, I feel like even if the cop was black and there there was body cam footage of them doing that, there might there might still be a little bit of a little bit of discontent with that one. But yeah, I can sure. see it might not play well to the mm. optics department. The issue. Well, in well, Sorry, really quickly, the issue that I have with this is so. I mean, I could I could go on and on about like a, like appropriate rules of engagement to the limited extent of my understanding. I'm not a cop, obviously, um, but the broader issue that I and a lot of other people have is it feels like when it comes to institutions like this, cops are invested in with a ton of power, a huge amount of responsibility, um, and for that reason, it can be difficult for us to effectively second guess. Um, what it is they're attempting to do. And with that said, the reason we have issue with sort of sussing out which behavior is acceptable and not is because cops are incapable of self-checking. Um, it seems like a police department is a machine designed to avert responsibility for misbehavior, which is why people don't do this, you know, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Um, police investigations internally are frequently squashed. You know, the DA works with the cops, so they're, they're disincentivized from going after cops for crimes. Stuff like that really adds up, and it makes it impossible for us to trust police to regulate their own behavior, um, which means we have basically no choice but to, but, but to speculate. And when you're speculating on an incredibly powerful institution that is, in many respects, above the law, um, in, in terms of how they apply it, and isn't capable of self-checking, those criticisms are going to be pretty, you know, um, pretty substantial, pretty harsh. Uh, rightfully so, I think. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the, the, I think the key to combat this is basically transparency, which, you know, sadly, as a police officer, you're not allowed to have uh, while you're on the job. Speaking on behalf of a police department is illegal, uh, or, or at least uh, against policy for any individual law enforcement officer to do. So even if uh, they wanted to have a conversation similar to how you and I are right now about individual incidents, tactics, uh, legality, policy, good ethics, emotional intelligence, psychology, uh, violence, any of these like much longer conversations that but you can't be you, had. Yeah, you're punished you, you, for... You, you literally can't. Yeah, you, you literally can't. And that's one of the things is um, I, I have a gentleman who uh, I love as a brother and respect uh, who's still on the force. He's a he's a Democrat, probably a liberal, not a leftist. Um, but but one of the things that really chafes his ass is, you know, he basically thinks that we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And I don't think anybody would disagree with this by not being transparent, by not communicating the actual roles and responsibilities of law enforcement, the limitations on our power and the lack of limitations on our power. Um, you know, we're, we're basically doing ourselves a disservice. So when we have these bad apples and nobody is talking, uh, speaking up, um, then we're kind of basically, you know, pretending that everything is okay. And even us ourselves within the industry know that almost nothing is okay. If you're talking about, um, you know, just the way patrol is run, if you're talking about the way that investigations are conducted, if you're talking about the internal politics, if you're talking about uh, low-level corruption and the cover-up of it, um, if you're talking about uh, conflict of interest, thanks, bud. Um, if you're talking about conflict of interest between the DA and law enforcement, uh, you literally can't talk about any of it while you're inside the system. And then the second you leave the system, your information is outdated. 
So yeah, outdated, instance, and if you talk about it, like you, you become a pariah, right? Like there's a strong fraternal mentality there. Um, I think that will often encourage cops to cover up for the misbehaviors of others, or to sort of dogpile cops who are open about the misbehavior of others. Well, and and I would say that's a, that's regional as well. I think in Florida, uh, particularly, just because we we are in the South, and you know, union mentality is not particularly strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we basically all contribute you know twenty dollars a month to a union. That way, if we get sued, a, a lawyer will represent us. That's about the the totality of the fraternal uh, order. Of I grew up in LA, in the state so they're 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 pretty fucking bad there. Um, well, in the, the, actually, can I can I speak on that because the the, tri- the tribal mentality um, is especially strong in the Northeast. Uh, I think through uh, history, but it's also much stronger in city police departments, and that's because they are so frequently exposed to violence. They are so frequently the attacks of uh, public perception. They they have so many uh, opportunities to fuck up and be called out on it that there is this, uh, you know, otherization and also uh, internal tribal mentality. Now, I'm not saying I didn't have that. Of course I had that. And uh, just to speak real quickly, because I, I don't want to tangent away from this, I feel like it's a really important uh, topic. Mm-hmm. I saw, you know, low-level corruption, people fudging statistics, people, uh, you know, basically going to a parking lot to park instead of, and, uh, you know, basically watch movies instead of do their job. We've all seen um, the the turning the lights on so you can run the red light to get there faster exactly. but then turning them off at the other side. Yeah, we've all seen that move. Uh, although, I mean, I've pulled that move because I was trying to get to a call faster and because uh, the reason why the lights went back off is because I'm trying not to alert the bad guy. So that that's, yes, it happens where people are just trying to violate traffic laws because they're cops and they think they're better than everybody. Uh, but also, I've done that tactic myself, and it's because I wasn't a, a coward who basically wanted... Th- this is actually a, you know an interesting part of low-level corruption. Um, if you leave your lights and sirens on while you're approaching a, a crime, um, then there's a chance that the bad guy's going to hear you and he's going to escape. So therefore, that decreases your possibility of catching him um, and basically increases his chance of escape. Um, yeah. whereas if you're like me, shut off your lights and sirens when you're still a mile, mile and a half out, you actually have the chance of catching him. So if I'm still trying to get there to make an arrest, um, you know, I, I'm going to do stuff like that. So yes and no. Um, but then just to get back to low level corruption that I wouldn't call out. The reason why I wouldn't call it out is because you're completely reliant on those people for your health and well-being. I like you. I think you're a good dude. Parasocially love you a little bit, you know, all that Thanks. jazz. But... <laughs> But at the same time, at the end of the day, you're not on the street with me. You're not wearing soft armor. You're not wearing a battle belt. I can try to be accountable to you. Not yet. The revolution's coming, brother. You don't know what's coming. You you better watch your mouth. You never know if you and I are going to be Molotoving back to back in a few weeks. Really um, though, I, know, I get it. I completely we're understand. Have to jump through some political hoops first, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not ruling it out as a possibility. Look at, look at you there. <laughs> I, I do, I do get it though. And this, I think, this is the nuance that a lot of broader discussions, especially from leftists, miss. Okay, so I hate the police as an institution. I despise it. Individual police officers, I've, I mean, they're people, I've had a range of experiences, positive, negative. Um, a police officer used to drive me to high school every day. I, I had a walk, it was 30 minutes. I liked the walk, and the buses were slow in LA, and she'd drive me, and she was great. And I, I'm sure she was good at her job, too. But one of the broader systemic sort of concerns is that a lot of people who are leftists, we feel as though um, the... Um, we feel as though 
this moralistic approach towards the police as an institution, this idea that cops are, are bad, that all cops are bastards or whatever, um, sort of informs policy positions. And I'm not entirely sure if I agree with that holistically, because there are bad people, there are murderers and rapists, there are crimes that, when committed, should probably be dealt with by the state. And you need to get someone out there. It, I mean, it's gonna be a police officer in this day and age. Oh, is everything good back there? Uh, everything's fine for me. I'm sorry if I, is there extra sound? Can oh no, the mic is actually cutting out a little bit. Um, do you have it on push to talk or on uh, open mic? Uh, it should be open mic to be honest. So I'll just move it a little closer to my face. Gotcha. Um, there, because there are people out there for whom cops are probably a reasonable response. I don't think that cops do all harm. Um, but some people have fronted the argument that there's no way for cops to do more good than they do harm with the system being implemented as it is now. And this definitely varies from community to community. Again, I grew up in a big city, so my experiences are informed largely by that. But were you, I'm sure you're aware of this, you're familiar with the, um, the New York City cop strike that took place following the it was the mayor, I think, um, standing up for Eric Garner, I believe, after he was murdered by the police, if I'm remembering this correctly. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, th this is where, you know, I I'm not I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to get ugly or defensive or anything like that. But but there's no, a lot that go there's a lot that goes into these um, incidents. So so specifically uh, with, you know, with Eric Garner, with uh, what's uh, Mr. Mike Brown? That's uh, Ferguson, correct? Uh -huh. uh oh, you're not going to defend the Eric Garner killing, are you? <laughs> no, no. Okay, but, okay, but okay. The, just making sure. But but, the, but there's a there's multivariant factors going on here, and I'm not trying to make it nuanced just to escape judgment. I'm just trying to say that um, I don't. For me, the entire problem with that situation isn't necessarily the arrest itself, or whether or not cops should be able to arrest somebody for you know resisting arrest or whatever you want to talk about. The problem for me is uh, the broken windows policy that basically led to that in the first place. The reason why Eric Garner was uh, arrested multiple times and out of frustration uh, resisted arrest that day uh, was because he was being harassed and you know basically uh, arrested repeatedly for selling loose cigarettes. I have uh, a fairly libertarian perspective on this, which is if it doesn't fucking hurt anybody and nobody gives a shit, then what's the problem? So seeing, uh, you know, members of the state, you know, uh, affect and arrest over what basically amounts to a victimless crime seems like a massive waste of state resources. Um, I think there's, uh, and I think that's a self-fulfilling prophecy where you attack poor people basically who are just trying to get by, who are doing things that are, I don't want to say are purely victimless crimes, but are relatively Are largely crimes. not that destructive in, you know, uh, for, the grand who scheme gives of things. A who gives a shit about somebody selling loose cigarettes? That's one of the most stupid laws to enforce. You're literally, and this is one of the things that I think we're lacking as a society. When, when I was trained, when I went through the academy, they basically said, you know, the, the Constitution is written in such a way that any human being within the United States, regardless of their citizen status, if they're not committing crimes, they should not have to encounter the police. This flies in the face of broken windows. This flies in the face of stop and frisk. Uh, but that's the way that our Constitution was written. Um, so whenever you take somebody's freedom, you stick them in metal bracelets and you throw them in a cage, it's supposed to be this moment of like uh, near religious violation. 
you have destroyed the freedom of another human being. It is not a cause for celebration. It is not something that you want to encourage. It is not something that you want to have as a revolving door. Uh, but in our society, it absolutely it is totally fucking door. is. Yeah, there are there are swaths, neighborhoods, ghettos where your entire like um, judicial and economic future are basically controlled by a system of policies and social like forces that you have no control over and that are enforced by the police. Uh, total total agreement. And my uh, my child, so uh, I might be jumping on and off. Hold on. Uh, I might be jumping on and off mute minutes as I get my child care taken care of. No worries, but, comrade. <laughs> but um, in, in general, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that we need to get back to is we need to see arrest as a near religious violation. And if you could just give me like 120 seconds to talk to chat or whatever, I'm going to get this situated. I love talking to chat. Go for it. He, he's a dad. What do you want? Right? I assume that's his kid and not some other kid. I don't know. Um, I I um I believe when I when I say a cab and I do say a cab, I'm using it euphemistically. I don't actually believe that all cops are bastards. If we mean bastard to mean like a bad person, that's ridiculous. I've met plenty of cops. Some of them were good people, really genuinely good people. Some of them were even aware of the systemic problems with the police. But when we say a cab, at least when I say a cab. I'm not literally saying ACAB. I don't actually mean the, the, the semantic definition of the words. What I'm actually saying is that the police as an institution are bad and must be fought. It's a call of aggression and of disdain for that institution. It's like, you know, the phrase, no justice, no peace with, with the civil rights protesters. They weren't literally saying no justice, no peace, right? Like, you wouldn't go up to a person saying no justice, no peace, because they're being treated as a second-class citizen, and then you're like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Do you, yeah? You want... Oh, just, oh, yeah? No justice, huh? So I could just fucking bop you, huh? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, you got a problem with that? Wow, I guess you do want some justice, huh? Do you? No. The semantic and the practical definition of terms, words, phrases, they can vary sometimes. It's happened before, happens here. Um, and I want people to be clear about that. When I do this, when I do the ACAB stuff, it's not about individually hating individual cops. I think that's, I think that's ridiculous. And, and, it's, and it's not dialectical. The antagonism is directed at the system. The reason the phrase is all cops are bastards is because it's a reminder that no, no matter how individually good a cop is, they're still complicit to a broader exploitative system. So you can have good cops who nonetheless do harm by being cops. Hence, all cops are bastards. Hence, fuck the police. Hence, in show on, in show on. Ha hashtag Vosh canceled again. <laughs> Not this time. How's your kid doing? <laughs> uh, he's good. Um, I just had uh, some wages come over so they can try to watch him uh while we while we stream uh, the, the wife is also a wagey so she had to go into work as well gotcha so we'll we'll, we'll see how good that works and uh, ho hopefully we can talk in peace for a while but the um no i mean like i, I don't disagree with you in the slightest i think the you know we're it, it's kind of supposed to be getting back to uh you know being being a cop is a, is a bad thing not not like um you know the the profession isn't noble but you have to see it in the same way as like a soldiering or you know uh any any other i do see it in the involved. same way as soldiering um yeah it, 
a profession of violence. And basically the, the nobility of the job is supposed to come out of people being self-sacrificial, showing higher principles and demanding situations, being the better person when they can, despite all the things they've seen and all the things they've done. That's supposed to be the nobility of the profession, but the profession itself is actually you know, supposed to be kind of disgusting and heart-wrenching and emotional and fucked up and all that kind of shit. Well, generally, any any profession that has to be sold on claims of honor and virtue is usually one people wouldn't do otherwise. Cops do have difficult jobs. Um, well, I imagine most of them, there are probably some small-town cops who legitimately do just, you know, uh, nap in their car all day. But I imagine for most folk, it's a fairly stressful job. Um and um and and that's why I don't I don't like to get bogged down in the particulars of the individual good an individual cop does. More like here are some systemic issues. How the fuck do we fix that with police being the way they are now? Like for example, um, police unions and the internal sort of code of conduct protecting bad officers from any consequences for their actions, which has gotten better with the rise of body cameras. I think. Um, that's definitely helped a lot. Um, so many of the outrageous incidences concerning cop violence over the past few years were only made possible because of body cams, because they weren't smart enough to break them or turn them off beforehand. So that's, um, that's been, you know, a pretty good development. But there are other issues too, like the, I mean, we just talked about that, the broader cycle of violence and economic exploitation in certain neighborhoods, particularly black ones. Um, where, where cops are basically the hand of the state in keeping these people in, as a perpetual underclass. Yeah, the um, body cameras are massive, and I, I really can't emphasize them enough. Um, I know I, I was basically there during the rollout of the body cameras, and I also was becoming a cop during um, some of this most uh, you know, vociferous uh, anti-police rhetoric. Um, so the, so, so I, I feel like I kind of, you know, came into being a cop when being a cop was least popular and when some of the most contentious stuff was going down. Body you would have become a cop are, right around the Zimmerman case, right? Um, I actually became a cop, um, right around, I, I think we were literally watching Mike Brown on television. Nice. Maybe, maybe that was a little bit after I joined. Um, but it, it was basically from uh, early 2015 to, you know, mid-2019. Um, so it, it was kind of during a, a lot of the big things. And it was after Zimmerman, which, you know, uh, he, he wasn't a cop, but I think he still highlights a lot of these problems of, you know, right, basically yeah. people people being profiled and, and attacked, whether or not they were committing crimes is a different thing. I think I mentioned that uh, I had some weird Zimmerman shit uh, one time. I actually met, I actually met him, uh, believe uh, it or not. How'd that go? And, uh, uh, it was weird as shit. So um, basically, he actually tries to take like a fairly cowboy mentality about it, where like he's like the big bald fucking badass for chasing down a teenager and shooting him in the chest. Zimmerman um, is a so... subhuman piece of shit. Um, I, I there is no like expression of contempt significant enough to express my feelings. You know, he sold off the gun that killed, um, that, that that killed the kid for like what was it, a quarter million, half a million? Recently? Yeah, and he's like. He's like millions and millions of dollars in debt. Um, and, and well, and then so kind of to share this without without making comment on it, but mm -hmm. he uh, apparently like uh, some rich conservatives uh, have been giving him places to stay because there's obviously continual threats uh, on his life. And, you know, he's like some kind of weird folk hero to, I don't know, Nazis or something. Yeah. But the. Uh, but then also um, with his, his legal trial, this is where things get fucked up, right? Because I'm not defending the guy fucking asshole and kind of a piece of shit mm -hmm. um but one of the things was uh, one of the things was um 
prosecute, uh, prosecute, prosecutorial misconduct. Um, so some of the people that I was trained by were actually um, tangentially involved in the case. And apparently there, there was some evidence that the state held back uh, during the prosecution that would have been not exculpatory, but at least it would have cast even more doubt on Trayvon Martin's innocence as far as the battery goes. Um, and they withheld it. So whatever the, the female prosecutor who's in charge of that case is actually liable to be disbarred for holding back evidence that was damning to Trayvon Martin. Yeah, well, the, um, um, the, the DA put forward the wrong charge to begin with anyway. Didn't they put in like, um, like second-degree murder? It should have been manslaughter. That would have been a much easier charge to prove. Which is actually something that I brought up in my own um, video kind of about uh, policing. I think I have three or four videos now about policing right now. But but one of the things that the DAs do um, is they overcharge cops during these contentious shootings, and that feels good to the public, right? Because you they know, know oh, it's not going to go through. It's not going to stick. And they could charge them with multiple crimes at the same time in order to get one to stick. They could charge manslaughter. They could charge murder, too. They could charge, like, multiple charges and then see which one sticks, but they don't. They charge the highest one. They have a high drama court case. Everybody gets their emotions out through the court case. It ends up getting dismissed or not guilty or whatever. The cop walks free, and that's kind of how it is, um, even in the most egregious of, st uh, of cases. Like, I think the only person who actually went to jail who kind of deserved it uh, was the, was it North Carolina, the guy who shot, shot the guy in the back as he was running away? Uh, that sounds familiar. I, um, I don't remember exactly, but that does sound right. Yeah, and um, one of the things that actually happened, which again, it's like a detail of the case. I'm not, I'm not, you know, defending it or lauding it or anything like that. Um, but I think his whole justification in his own mind was, I think his taser got lost in the scuffle. Mm -hmm. um, so when the guy was running away, he was like, "Oh, well, this guy has my taser. Therefore, uh, you know, I b based on rules of engagement or per policy, I can kill him because if I'm incapacitated by my taser, then he can take my gun and kill me." That's literally like I, I don't know if it's case law, but I think it's uh, supported uh, within the structure um, or with, within uh, like legal precedent or at least policy precedent. Um, feel... So he basically thought he had a green light. Well, and then just five more seconds. Oh, yeah. um, when it looked like he was planting something on the guy, um, it, I think he was actually planting his own taser closer to the body. So if you wouldn't have had that cell phone video of him shooting this guy in the back, you would not have known. Uh, ba basically, it, it would have been completely acquitted. Do you feel as though the fact that there's this... Um this um, commiseration between the state and the police department when it comes to um, when it comes to trying officers. Do you feel this means that there's really no reasonable way a, um, a civilian can have an expectation of good conduct on the part of police officers? It seems like all of the systems which are supposed to ensure that people who are working and operating in society are good functional people don't function for cops. Um, their workplace doesn't check them, at least not as much as I think most people would agree they should be checked. And the state doesn't seem to check them nearly as hard as they should. And it seems like even though they're given the most responsibility, or I guess the most power, they're held the least accountable. And it makes it really difficult to trust cops as anything other than thugs who um who are occasionally given legal permission to kill when they feel threatened. Well, and, and that's actually um, that, that's actually kind of um, antithetical to the police department or the police perspective, which feels like they're they're literally putting their lives on the line. They're sacrificing 
families. They're missing holidays. They're missing weekends. You know, the cop schedule is not the best schedule in the world. Um, they're doing these sacrifices because they genuinely love the job and they want to serve their community. Um, you know, yeah, they fuck up, but at the same time, they're basically making this semi-noble sacrifice. Um, you know, they're working these crazy hours, they're putting their lives on the line. Like I almost, you know, there, there's a few times that I definitely thought I was going to die. And I was working in a city of 15,000 people. Uh, there was a few times where I thought I was going to have to kill someone. Um, and again, I was working in a smaller town. Um, so, just, so all these sacrifices, sorry, just uh, one more second, yeah. all these sacrifices that you make on an individual level. And then especially with the body cameras and the dash cameras and all that kind of stuff. You feel constantly under the scrutiny of your department and your public. And then also, uh, you know, it might not come down to a shooting, like a high-level legal shooting. But police departments, if they like you, they will cover for you. If they don't like you, they will deep fry you. And that's kind of, you know, this very subtle thing where it's like big case shooting uh, the, the fraternal order of police lawyers are going to come out and they're going to defend you tooth and nail ba basically on principle. Um, but your police department itself, if, if you screw up something that's minor and they don't like you, they can basically take all of your minor misconduct and fire you and basically black mark you from working in the job again. Yeah, which is, I mean, but that's that's how they keep their ranks, you know, orthodox. Uh, I imagine one of the ways, if you have people who don't really fit in with the frat culture, then you can just find an excuse, you know. The same thing happens in retail. You can get written up over nothing if, you know, you're not liked by your manager. But this is one of the issues that I have with discourse concerning cops. We talk about they have a stressful job, and they do, and that their lives are threatened off, and they do. Um, but pizza delivery drivers die more often than cops do. There are actually a lot of jobs. Um that, that get people killed with greater frequency than cops. And um, and there are jobs that work worse hours, too. And we don't use this like as a carte blanche permission to deny the fact that the frequent abuses of power um, and, and, and unwarranted aggression against civilians are... I mean, it's, an, I mean, it's a national topic of discussion now. Um, it, it, on so much when, of it feels self-inflicted. When, huh? Whenever we don't have, whenever we don't have a war, uh, cop stuff is the hot button issue. If we were invading Iran right now, we'd be talking about it, and it's because people. But that's love not blood. good, though. I mean, that's. A, oh no, it's not a question yeah. of good or bad. It's a, it's a question of what what people focus on. Um, and I, again, not not a not a moral judgment, not a legal judgment, not anything like that. And, and is there room for opportunity and growth? I absolutely think so. And we can we can definitely discuss those issues as well. I, I would love to discuss those issues. Um, but the you know we're, we're kind of describing reality as we find it, um, and we also need to discuss how do we improve these things. If you're talking about banning law, like uh, what what do people say sometimes, like you know abolish cops or something like that, even if you eliminated the institution of police and uh, you know, uh, socialist revolution, left-wing revolution, you would still need to replace that social role with uh, somebody who had identical responsibilities and identical power, uh, or maybe not identical power, but, but you know, close to the same power and role, societal roles, um, and you would have to call them something else. So I, I think, you know, the more productive conversation, we can definitely talk about fucked up shit and blood sports, and, and I have no problem. I'm definitely down for that. Uh, well, that's but, that's the issue, though, right? I mean, community policing, I think, would be a pretty decent substitute for the modern police force in a lot of ways. But they would function more as community service officers, not as armored state, you know, military forces um, running around with essentially no legal oversight um, for, for whatever shenanigans they happen to get into. I mean, just like we talk as though... 
We talk as though the way police are is some kind of inevitable product of society as it exists, but just 50 or 60 years ago, police were nothing like what they are today. Police back then, and they were racist little shits. I mean, back then, in many cases <laughs> I, I today. I was about I'm, to say, uh, Nick Fuentes might have something to say. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not denying that or nothing. But if we take a look at how police acted, were expected to act, how they looked, how they were armed, and what they were expected to do, just... Mm. A few decades ago, it's a massive change, but crime has been down over the past 40 years since the 1980s, which means that in spite of the fact that our country is getting safer, police are getting more aggressive, better armed, and are being handed like military surplus, which belies, I think, a pretty substantial imbalance between the way in which police are responding to our world and the way in which the world is responding to the existence of the police. Well, and then I, I have a contentious question for you. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, violence peaked in 1994. Uh, that was also the beginning of the era of mass incarceration. So something that nobody really wants to talk about, but I think is uh, maybe not a valid critique because I, I think there's other factors, for instance, um, improvement in entertainment and improvement in medical technology. Uh, but the, the drop in crime has almost completely correlated, not causated, correlated with the era of mass incarceration. So th this era of broken windows policing and to to uh, totalitarian policing, you know, kind of getting away from the community service model and turning to the war on drugs model, uh, it, it has horrible, 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 horrible secondary side effects that, that I think we can discuss at length. And I think there's a better way to do things and to get back to the community-oriented model. Uh, but you can't, if you're looking at the drop in crime, uh, conservatives who want to defend the era of mass incarceration are going to tell you it's because of broken windows. It's because of stop and frisk. It's because of aggressive policing. Well, That's I mean, why you've of course, but you could, you could justify in that infinitely. You could live in a fascist state with minimal crime and say, like, oh, well, of course crime is low. Look, we have police yeah. in every corner. Look, but, look how great it is. We, yeah, we yeah exactly. But, an Orwellian nightmare. It's yeah, great. exactly. But but <laughs> with, with regards to the decrease in crime, I think that could also be attributed largely to, A, um, a decrease in, in, in lead paint being used in underserved communities, which, which has been lead paint exposure at, at youth has been shown to massively increase, like, the rate of criminality because it, it poisons your brain. But also, a lot of the crime uptick was because of the drug war, which was a completely unnecessary political bent to begin with. Almost like they created a problem that they knew would disproportionately affect um, like black communities and then introduced mass incarceration, which they get to conveniently extract slave labor from, as a solution to that problem. I'm not convinced that police are the cause or solution to that problem. I think the state was the cause of it, and the state now presents itself as the only solution, when in reality, abolishing the war on drugs probably would have had a much better impact on general crime than any amount of policing or incarceration could ever be. Well, you know, I would want to see that. I would want to see that, you know, borne out in studies like, you know, Portugal or Spain uh, did decriminalization and, uh, you know, started the rehab centers. I think Switzerland uh, has drug rehab centers that basically people can shoot up, uh, you know, methadone or whatever the, the, substance, uh, the substitute drug is. Um, you know, basically, if, if dollar for dollar, um, you can prove to law enforcement and prove to Republican uh, representatives, because I do consider myself a Republican, if you could show them that dollar for dollar rehabilitation is cheaper than, uh, you know, cheaper than incarceration, I think you could actually get a you know, a pretty strong Republican argument for it. I've, um, I've talked with Republicans. I really just think they don't like black and poor people very much.
Um, I know, but you got to work with the ones that are good. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if I look for pieces of shit on the left, I can find them. Yeah, but uh, you know. there there are pieces of shit on the left, but the broad constituency of left-leaning voters aren't literally motivated by a hatred of those of lower social standing. I've I've just I've had so many conversations on like, hey, we should invest in sex education. It pays dividends in the long run. Nope. What, you hey, want to have we sex with my kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that, but that's what I get. Hey, we should invest in contraceptive aid to underserved communities. Uh, it, it pays back $7 for every buck invested because you have less fucking take welfare that, babies down the take line. That, uh, take that argument to Nick Fuentes. He'll probably fucking love that. Well, you, oh, you want to <laughs> reward these slutty black whores who can't close their legs? Oh, hey, we yeah, should invest then, no, in any... Talk, uh, talk to him about, uh, you know, uh, birth. He'll probably fucking love it. Like, like that's, that's what I'm saying. And, like, we, we need to, you know, I... You've said that your uh, axiomatic uh, perspective is the well-being of human beings in general and utilitarian perspective. Um, I, I'm with you in that. I think we need to focus on efficacy, not on, you know, re reels over fields. How, how do we actually solve these problems? Um, and I think there's something to be said, too. So, um, you know, like R versus K, uh, sexual reproduction amongst species. Uh, Nick Fuentes seems to think that applies solely uh, to people of different races. Maybe that's taken him out of context, but, you know, fuck him a little bit. Um, but. Well, well, right. But but, you know, like uh, the reproduction styles of rabbits versus blue whales, you know what I'm saying? But but if you look at humans socioeconomically, the fast way for people to decrease their birth rate is basically to make them middle class. The reason why I have one kid and I only want two is because I know that each child is a demand on my responsibilities and my ability to parent and my time and my energy. So I want to invest in a small amount of children and raise them right. I also know that they're not going to die. If you're in sub-Sahara Africa and you know that three of your kids are going to die if you have seven of them due to malnutrition, war, genocide, whatever, mm -hmm. you're going to have a, di a different reproductive strategy. Modern technology, like a state, stable food supply, foreign aid, all that kind of stuff, it can basically make it so, uh, you know, middle class Western habits are not universally adopted. Globe. Yeah, but conservatives it, it all... literally don't give a shit about these arguments. You can argue like, oh, my God, the birth rate for these communities is skyrocketing. We're going to be drowned in a tide of brown bodies. And you go, let's well, give them condoms. Yeah well, <laughs> yeah, well, hey, reproductive aid, sex education and raise their standard of living and they'll be having 2.2 children just like the rest of the developed world. No, it's... no, no. Send them back to Nicaragua. But you, Easier. but you, you joke. But this is my experience arguing with conservatives on these issues, which is which is why I feel I can't talk about stuff like ending the drug war. I've had this conversation with a guy called Extreme Dad on my channel. I'm, I doubt you would find him a political compatriot. I don't think he's a conservative in the same way that you are. But the the attitude, the mentality seems the same. Portugal's drug policy, um, the the decriminalization, seems to have worked out phenomenally for their country. It's not flawless, but it's going about pretty well. Vosh, you want you want to give drug addicts heroin? You fucking piece of shit. But I can't. But I can't. And that's the thing. It's like, oh yeah, like people like blindly like, yes, I think all police should be able to ride into fucking black neighborhoods with ATVs and start no scoping people through the window if they hear a peep from a baby in a crib. Um, oh wait, right, you want to. Yeah. Decriminalize drugs? Oh, 
what you fucking want more crack babies i can't policy-based <laughs> discussions around police officers and the way in which crimes are handled are woefully ineffective in the political climate of this country the only two stances that really seem to exist maybe you could have three stances there's stance a uh, dipshit like a uh, crew cut since he was 16 years old um white boy in alabama um you ain't touching my cops cops are flawless gods that i d- deserve no derision you have the mm. a cab types which i suppose i fit in on and then you have these liberal milk toast policies that probably do improve things but will never ever be able to address the broader institutional failings of the police like the way the da yeah. is complicit in how their uh, crimes are handled like the hyper militarization of the police like the fact that they're used as a necessary stimmy for problems caused by state policy like the drug war you can't fix these things with body camps but nobody's willing look, to have a conversation look, about you mm-hmm. fucking racist are you saying you don't want aboriginal transgender drug cops well you know if they were policing <laughs> aboriginal transgender drug communities statistically they would be more likely to produce good results so <laughs> no it, uh, I'm, I'm obviously being a no no i know ass, i know like, the but no but my, my point being is that like we need to have these conversations because the truth is we're, we're basically allowing people who don't care or don't know run the conversation we're letting people who don't care or don't know run politics um and, and you know th- there was this whole nihilism I- i'm a little bit older than you i'm, I'm 32 uh this year um so a fair bit this, for someone who's 32 yeah i've lived an interesting life um and you know uh, indiana jones says uh, you know it's not the mileage um i feel every bit of that mileage uh but the the uh <clears throat> Point being that we're basically letting people, we're telling people to not give a shit. We're also telling people that their language has no effect on exterior reality. At least that's what, uh, you know, was popularly sold during the thousands uh, when Eminem came out and was talking about, you know, basically using every slur in the world, uh, in the world. And, you know, the teenagers loved it because they wanted to be edgy and piss off. Right. Uh, we were We were basically told that words didn't have meaning and anybody who took Seriously, it was basically a you know an old stupid photo. Yeah, the South Park philosophy moral. towards linguistics. Yeah, right. Which is you know, uh, say I I am was a fan of South Park. I think they've kind of taken their foot off the gas for the past few years and have had some pretty bad takes. But uh, in general, what what I would like to see is for us to start giving a shit about the language that we use again. I would like us to see that our words do have impact. So so for instance, I have to give you uh, credit. I have to give ContraPoints credit. Um, and, and this is kind of like. Uh, where I really don't agree with the woke scolds um, who come and constantly attack you. And as much as I might be a, a political opponent, I hope you take this uh, as an extreme compliment. Um, but co- your defense, your stand for uh, contrapoints or whatever is completely valid. I don't think I took any leftist perspectives uh, genuinely and in good faith until I started watching contrapoints videos. And she moved me on quite a few subjects. Same thing with you. I don't think I thought libertarian socialism viable perspective and still until i started uh, listening to you i still have republican views i still have not necessarily darwinian but i still have like uh you know there's functional models and there's dysfunctional models i don't care about your utopia if it doesn't work in pragmatic reality no matter how much i might love it in theory so i'm still holding on to my imperfect world because i don't know if a better world is possible however I am much, 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 much more receptive uh, to you, to contrapoints, to a bunch of lefties. I'm much more interested in leftist arguments 
because basically what happened for the past three to five years was I was just harangued by woke scolds for taking milk toast Republican stands. Like like the mildest of stands. Like, hey, maybe not all cops are bastards. It's like, what, you fucking Nazi Gestapo piece of shit? You fucking hate black people? Blah, blah, blah. And how, how quickly do I want to modify my political perspectives to listen to anything you have to say when you're basically just scolding me for holding what amounts to a moderate right-wing position. I don't even think that would be a, a, a moderate right-wing. I think even um, I think even most like liberals in this country would agree with that. I agree. Yeah, There's... but I think we can agree on fuck liberals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can. Goddamn right we can. There, Yeah, there are a lot of lefties out there who get really accustomed to their own little bubbles, and um, they completely forget how to engage with people who don't share their sort of political orthodoxy. Even if you disagree with people, I think that people need to make a reasonable assessment as to whether or not derision or open engagement is the right response. And a lot of lefties are way too quick to go right to the derision. Um, presumably as a self-defense mechanism, which I can understand, but I don't think it's a very effective strategy. Well, and like offered, offered as like a mild critique to, um, you know, like, dude, I, I have no problems watching you fucking go off because, you know, the logical consistency is there, your worldview is there, all that kind of shit. Uh, but for, for the people who are watching, I can see them, you know, basically going, oh, this guy's all pissed off. He's argument whereas i feel like if you just let people give themselves enough rope in order to fucking hang themselves you'd be fucking dominating you'd be fucking killing like that's what um you know you're you're saying you've said repeatedly that as much as you know you don't like uh you know destiny destiny's new anti-leftist takes you're a big fan of his rhetoric and his skill in that assessment i think you would probably be as talented in that regard if you could do the same thing he does which is basically let somebody go out on a fucking limb and then chop that shit off like uh, yeah no that's that's something that i've been trying to work on it's something that i did poorly in the sargon debate um you should never make attacks against positions that have it you should always when when you debate somebody you're both building sandcastles and you have to finish the castle before you can lob rocks at the other persons if a person hasn't established <laughs> he never an argument, built a fucking castle it, he it, just it, sat there or, he just okay, sat yes there but that but exactly that's the thing <laughs> i didn't wait for anything to be built i should have prompted and prodded until he care until he tentatively anxiously assembled something resembling an argument and then made fun of that but i didn't and i agree wait, that is wait, a very Bosh, valuable you're, skill. you're saying that uh pulling up like dumbass medium articles reading that half reading them and then arguing against them isn't a political exactly thing? five minutes into them sometimes i will say it sometimes i feel a little guilty because my job is like way the fuck easier than so many other people's but then i look mm. and then i can look over at my good friend sargon and i know I, I'm actually a fucking workhorse compared to some people because their, <laughs> Dude, their standards always go lower. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to blow you, even if you'd like that. But, you know, like, you, you are a fucking killer, man. Fucking, you do good work. I, I very much appreciate it. And I'll, I'll be a fan for uh, pro probably going into the future. Um, but oh, the, you, the, yeah, th that's part of the reason why I've wanted to enter this space for a really long time. I I've wanted to do uh, mass public advocacy, share my perspectives, try to show everybody how big of a fucking galaxy I brain I am for my own ego for a really long time. Um, and the reason why I wanted to do that was because, A, I, I think I'm awesome, which is, of course, shitty and narcissistic to say, but B, because I just see all these assholes with really bad takes. And I basically spent the past decade really kicking my own ass um, in the military, in law enforcement. So hopefully when it finally came time for me to say something, I had some, I had some information to offer. And, and that's kind of where I'm at now. And, and that's why I harassed you for the past 90 days so we could talk. 
Yeah, I'm always, I'm only, it's always hard to get on here too, because I tend to get anxious when speaking with people who I know I won't be having an active debate with. Um, the, um, I do, <laughs> okay, well, you know what I mean, more. like blood sports. Boss, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, there we, all right, now we're getting into it. The, um, I, I do wish, and the, one of the things that really frustrates me too, I think, in the long run, is that I, I'm pretty far left-leaning, I think most people would agree with that. I don't actually mind discussing like what would be conservative policy i just wish it was more fact-based um if there are people out there who are saying like hey i understand a cab cool whatever however empirically speaking here are the consequences of abolishing police empirically speaking it's politically inefficacious to do this or that empirically speaking austerity measures are the only way of balancing the budget right now if i could have conversations on like um hard like reasonable positions like that even if i strongly disagree with the ideological presumptions that are made behind the scenes it would be so much more gratifying but you're right i mean most of most of youtube in general most of the internet in general but in this instance most of conservative advocacy online is um fucking delusional and Mm -hmm. it's 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 honestly just so disheartening i can't and and the same level of discourse is taking place in our in our representative bodies as well in the in the halls of congress and the senate it doesn't get any better if you go up um, well and it's pretty if wild. um if you if so may, maybe another time because i am enjoying the conversation we're having now and i don't want to tangent too hard but if you ever wanted to throw bombs at me get some blood sports or something like that you know we could talk about you know foreign policy islam the family like conservative values all that kind of stuff and maybe we could get an attention there um, but, but, you know, I'm not here purely uh, for blood sports, even if that's good for metrics. Um, and that, that's the thing, too. Like, I feel like everybody that within your, within your community, especially on your Discord or whatever, when, whenever we've talked, it, it's been largely positive. Like, even if we disagree on policy, it's almost uniquely basically saying, like, hey, I give a shit about the world. I give a shit about other people. I want to see the world become a better place. I feel like people are being taken advantage of, and I want to change it. That, that's such, like, a, a positive fucking thing. And I really feel like uh, my generation, you know, the millennials, they, they kind of they kind of failed on a social level to really give a shit and give a shit about each other. So to see the Zoomers, uh, whether or not they're, you know, Nazis or, uh, you know, commies, they, they basically... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, but I don't think it would be that hard to modify their um, positive intentions. I don't think it would be that hard. Well, maybe it is very hard, and maybe that's actually the the thing that we need to deal with most over the next few decades. Um, but expanding their definition of who they see as uh, who they see as their in group is entirely necessary to avoiding an upcoming civil war. Yeah, uh, which I don't think we're going to be able to avoid anyway. Um, okay. Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> um, that'll be good for metrics. Well, hopefully, hopefully, we'll be on the same side. Okay, listen. Yeah. <laughs> on that, on that, on that blessed day. Okay, maybe, maybe hey, not, maybe not. Again. Dude, but but you know, this this could be like uh, you know, like the the classic uh, story where they they end up having to kill each other despite liking each other. You know, like if you side with the tankies, and then I have to go with the Republicans, but then there's like you know, uh, fascist, you know, infiltrators. We'll just have to kill each other, but it'll be a great uh, saga. You've seen the meme with, like, the baby holding the handgun while crying and turning away from the camera, right? (laughs) Like, oh, God, I have to do this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. it's Hey, man, it'll be great for the metrics. (laughs) It will be. Hey, um, at least I'll go out with a burst of subs. Hey, um, I I, I really appreciate speaking with you. I hope we can do it again in the future. Um, Oh, dude, uh, basically let me know anytime. Obviously, I don't want to time, but... 
we, you know, we could talk about, you know, my, my experience in the military and also uh, my dad was basically a part of the dreaded military industrial complex. Um, you know, we could talk about that. I'm a huge politics and history buff, huge nerd in all of these respects. Um, you know, I'm sorry we didn't get as, uh, you know, meaty or contentious as we could have, but uh, I get, I, I'm I, very I, happy to do that any day. I got a lot of that yesterday. It's okay. I need I, variety <laughs> is the spice of life. Could you shout yourself out for the um, uh, uh, for everyone else? Yeah, um, I'll actually um, I'll throw a, a link to my channel um, in chat um, and, and, you know, basically uh, do that. But I'm just on YouTube as counterpoints. I'm sure there's 10,000 other channels with, uh, you know, the same name, but I'll, I'll put my uh, I'll put my link in there. There you go. There you go. You've been added. Discord. You've been added as the guest command. Your uh, your YouTube's now up there. Okay. Well, and then I then I have a, a simple a simple ask before I leave for your consideration, not mm -hmm. not as a, a demand. Uh, maybe maybe just maybe uh, consider me moving into more than one voice chat group uh, besides Chud because Chud's pretty dead, uh, and I came here to talk with lefties, not just Chuds. Uh, so, uh, I give if, you, if there's a new, I give you executive D chutting juice. Okay. Hold on. Jesus Christ. All right. I, I feel fucking honored. I, hey. I promise not to abuse it. Gotcha. Hey, have a good one, man. Thank you so much for coming on. No, thanks for having me, bud. You have a great one. You too. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn it. He's gone, right? Hello? Shit, I was gonna say have that we all say hello to your baby. I really like that guy. Here, there you go. I free him from his prison. I give him executive. I stamp. Not a chud.